So welcome, we are um, in a series going through the Psalms. We're seven weeks in, we've got two weeks left, and <clears throat> this week we're doing part two of kind of like a, I suppose, a mini-series within the series that we started last week, and we're, we're in Psalm 1, and this week we're going to be again looking at prophecy or looking at the Psalms from a poetic point of view, but from a prophetic, poetic point of view. So pro prophetic poetry, part two. Now, it probably is not affecting you, but that screen's going to drive me mad because it's not straight. <laughs> but Sorry. I just have to, I work with it if I have to work with it, you know. Because I know it's a busy pedestrian area around there and people are always knocking and bouncing stuff. So Silla, I know you're, you're, you're doing the best that you can, sis. Thank you. Um, but no pressure. Um, so we're in Psalm 1. Last week we did kind of verse 1 and 2. This week we're going to do verse 3 to 6. I say last week we've done verse 1 and 2. We've been in Psalm 1 for, for seven weeks, this week included. Week 1 we talked about just how someone introduces the whole Psalter, which is kind of like a technical term for the book of Psalms. And um, someone contrasts the, the wicked and the right the, the wicked and the righteous. Um, that's what we did week one. Then week two we talked about the genre that the Psalms kind of falls under or into. Um, that is again poetry. And there's been a big emphasis on poetry. Week three and week four, we took two weeks to do one word, looking at the tree, or tree. That's two words, the tree, a tree. Tree, part one and part two. Week five, we talked about the contrast, which is the chaff. And then last week, we talked about um, something unusual. It was in the text, but it wasn't lying on the surface. And um, we talked about not just the blessed man, but we talked about the blessed man defi definite article. And so, um, should I say next week, I'm hoping to probably do the other two in terms of, so we're talking about prayer, poetry, prophecy, and praise. We've done a lot on poetry. We've done stuff on prophecy week two this week. Next week, I'm hoping to do something on prayer, and then hopefully the following week end on praise and then it's easter so psalm one sis you know what don't distress yourself it don't it, it's, it's a minor my bad i should have never said nothing in the first place i'm so sorry it's all good sis so psalm one let me just read it starting at verse one it says blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law, he meditates, how often? Day and night. He's like a tree, therefore, planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand Woo. Yeah. Oh. in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Over the course of the past few weeks, I've been encouraging different ones of you to get involved and to join with me. Um, I think we've had four people over the past six or seven weeks that have made some kind of contribution poetically you know what I'm saying, to the series, and it's been a blessing. And as you can see, it's no great surprise, we've got someone who's going to be sharing with us today. And um, we never had no one last week, so um, it's a blessing that we've got our sister Fiona, and she's written a song reflecting on Psalm 1, and you must be patient with her and also with Ray, because literally she does finish this last night, and she probably herself wouldn't say it's finished, right? But in order to present her piece on time, she's just going to go with the flow. And so is Ray. Amen? So, so amen. So um, I'm going to hand this mic over because you're going to need it to sing into, right? Sorry, God. I'm going to adjust this mic again. Forgive me. I'm going to give it to Fiona. Um, 
So as Fiona's is getting ready, make her feel at home a little bit. guys thank you <laughs> um, my, my pickup wasn't working so we've had a few problems through and through but um, this song um, was inspired by Pastor Rob stepping out and others who have um, and through my own journey over the last six months and a continuing journey so it's based around the theme of the tree um, and um, other trees that are there in scripture so to, you'll hopefully hear it too Stream the stream of 
My sister Fiona, don't go away. That was perfect. That was perfect. Priscilla's just asking, could you just explain um, what the song is about? Or what, we, what were you asking, sis? Just, just give yeah. us some background to the song. Okay. Um, some of you know and some of you don't, but um, about six months ago, in my work, um, I started losing all of my work and I, I wasn't sure what was going on. I was struggling at the church I was going to and uh, it was just after, I suppose, beginning of November, uh, well, October, I think I came here um, and felt immediately at home. I came to bring somebody else, actually, and he's never come back. <laughs> but I started coming and... Um, joined the worship team because uh, I love worship and uh, at New Year um, we were short of people to help with the food bank so um, I volunteered and through a mix-up of communication ended up um, going with Pastor E and Anne um, to help um, you know the picking up of the food so I was carrying a lot of boxes and everything um, and basically, cut a long story short, a couple of days later, I was thinking I must have strained a muscle in my side because it was really sore. And I didn't really know what was going on, so I kind of ignored it for a couple of days. And then I kind of felt it and uh, felt a huge lump on my breast and uh, went to A&E that weekend and it turned out to be cancer, fast-growing. So I've been undergoing chemotherapy for the last six weeks. Um, and so the winter is, is kind of the stripping away of the work and everything. I, I was meant to actually fly to Hong Kong um, the day after I was diagnosed. And that would have been going back to somewhere I'd worked. Um, and, you know, the whole thing kind of was like having the rug pulled out from under you. But through it, I've really known through yourselves here, through the worship team and the pastors, uh, just an amazing sense of God's presence in all of that. And, you know, thinking about the image that Pastor Rob gave when he started Psalm 1 was when the winter was here and the trees were bare. Um, and that was kind of what started me thinking about writing a song that was talking about our lives because often things are stripped away, whether it's health, whether it's finance, whether it's other things. And it's then that we have to trust and we have to believe that the streams of life do bring peace and do heal, whether that healing is emotional, spiritual or physical. So, yeah. And how many of you know that, thank you Fiona, thank you sis, um, how many of you know that it's, it's difficult to write a song <laughs> and it's difficult to play guitar, like I've been trying to learn how to play guitar for about 10-15 years now and then it's hard to sing 
And then it's hard to do all three of them together at the same time and then live. So thank you, sis. Like I said, that was perfect. And um, and how many of you know the Lord ain't really that impressed with our great singing, our great playing, no matter how wonderful we are, right? He's really looking at the heart. And I'm, and I'm sure that that was, that was um, well-pleasing in the Lord's sight. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so, last week, I don't think I shared anything last week because I'm trying to summarize the previous week. For those of you that don't know, I'm trying to summarize the previous week um, by kind of writing kind of like a little consolidated rap and... Because I didn't do last week, I've got to do the week before and last week together, which I'm going to try and do. It's a bit all over the place, but like we said, the encouragement to you is, you know what I'm saying, we're not looking for perfection. Um, how many of you know the process of arriving at a place of perfection, is, sometimes it's a bit of a journey, you know what I mean? But the issue is, is starting, getting started. So I'm hoping, sis, that you will continue to write songs, Fiona. Sister Jude, if you continue to write poetry and everyone else that was sharing in rap or etc., that you guys will keep on um, utilizing that, those gifts that you have and being a blessing to the rest of us. <clears throat> so I don't feel no way that this ain't going to really kind of come across as perfect. Um, and the two reasons I'm doing, doing this, so one is for my own personal growth and development. The second one is I really am trying to highlight the um, the nature of the genre, which is the Psalms, which is poetry. You know what I mean? And um, often we teach expositionally. If, if you're visiting, like this ain't kind of the normal manner in which we teach the scriptures in that um, obviously we, we open the Bible, but we normally teach expositionally. And we've kind of taken a little bit of a, uh, it's kind of more topical, this series that we're doing. So um, I kind of mentioned that. Just, um, just in case you're, you're feeling like, oh, well, this, well, this is not normal. Remember, the challenge at the beginning of the year was new year, new you. And so, just trying to respond to that challenge. Amen? So, poetry. Full of symbolic metaphor, right? There are multiple meanings galore, for sure. All, wrap, all wrapped up in a metaphor. Dig past the surface, truth's underrated. Poetry ain't just things simply stated. There are multiple meanings galore, for sure, all wrapped up in a metaphor. To get to the contents that's inside the packet, you have to unwrap it. Now, I wonder if this thing is going to work. Think about light. Think about sight, illuminating bright in the night. Now, think about light... And how it relates to weight, like transportable freight. Same word, two different meanings. Light isn't the same as light, right? Okay. When I talk about a present, I might mean a gift, like happy birthday. Where's Mike? It's your birthday today, isn't it, Mike? Mike, is it today? It's not? Oh, my bad. <laughs> It came, up, it came up on my calendar. Michael Prendergast's birthday. Is it anybody's birthday today? It's Richard's yesterday. Happy birthday, Rich. When I talk about a present, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I might mean a gift, like happy birthday, you know, something you give away. But when I talk about the present, now that's a time frame between the past and the future. It's not the same. When I talk about presence, it's about filling a space. It's like bear peeps up in a place. It's like the Lord manifest. Get out your phones and start filming because God's in the building. There are multiple meanings galore, for sure, all wrapped up in a metaphor. Dig past the surface, truth's underrated. Poetry ain't just a thing simply stated. There are multiple meanings galore, for sure, all wrapped up in a metaphor. To get to the contents that's inside the packet, unpack it. You have to unwrap it. Now, the blessed man, now, who can that be? Well, it's not you and it sure ain't me. The blessed man, now, who's that talking about? The most faithful and devout, way beyond any doubt. 
Like I said, the blessed man now, who can that be? Well, it's not you and it sure ain't me. Even though we said that over the past couple of weeks, right? Because... I used to be a sinner. I was found in the middle of a crisis, an utter enemy like ISIS, riddled with a virus, broken, limp, and lifeless. Man, I couldn't breathe, chest tightness. I could have never win, no matter how I try to fight this. Then I met His Royal Highness, my King Midas. He paid the penalty, priceless. Changed to His lightless, another sinner made righteous. Christ paid the penalty, priceless. The gospel is timeless, and that's how sinners are made righteous. Can. Any man sit on the throne, nah, none, none bar one, only God's son. He was around before time begun, Jesus, the mystery man in Psalm 1. Can any man sit on the throne, nah, none, none bar one, only God's son. He was around before time begun, Jesus, the mystery man in Psalm 1. There are many, there are multiple meanings galore, for sure, all wrapped up in a metaphor. Dig past the surface, truth's underrated. Poetry ain't just a thing simply stated. There are, there are multiple meanings galore, for sure, all wrapped up in a metaphor. To get to the contents that's inside the packet, you have to unwrap it. Now, that seemed like that was a whole song. Now, at this point, I meant to show you a video, but I forgot to tell the guys, and it's not connected. So... Have any of you heard about the Bible Project? Please go online and watch the video that's been done by the Bible Project. There are two on the Psalms, and it's the one... Well, watch both of them. And um, sadly, I'm not going to be able to refer to some of the stuff that's in there because we can't hook it up now. That's long. Um, but let me pray as we try to um, have a look at today's topic. Father, thank you. Um, for Fiona and for others who have taken the time to engage with your word and with you over the past few weeks. And Lord, thank you for those who may not necessarily be gifted in terms of songwriting and etc., but have nonetheless, Lord, been connecting with you as we've been looking at this wonderful book or at least one aspect of it. And Father, we thank you because... The whole Bible fundamentally is all about one person. Would you please help us today to further see Jesus in the Psalms? Amen. Amen. So, trying to say that there's more to the Psalms than meets the eye, right? Now remember, this is a psalm, it's a song, it's a poem set to music, and it has multiple layers. Um <clears throat> And that's what we've been doing over the past six weeks. Unstacking, we've been unpacking, we've been unraveling this poem. And we saw that on one level, the sinner became the blessed man. So the blessed man in Psalm 1 verse 1 actually is um, us. But how many of you know it's not us? <laughs> Although it is. We saw that on one level, the sinner became the blessed man. And this speaks about humans that have been transformed. Remember, originally born in sin. Um, I think one of the weeks I said, addicted to sin from birth, fam is crazy. Trapped in a bando like a crack baby. That was us, born in sin. Originally born in sin, but transformed by the grace and the power of God, right? Transformed from chaff to a tree. Now, you'd have to listen to the previous weeks to kind of get the full picture. So Psalm 1 doesn't speak just about humans, past, present, and future. See, it does, but that's not all that it speaks about. This, as well as many of the other Psalms, are filled with mixed, multiple metaphors. And that's the hallmark of good poetry. You know what I'm saying? It's the, it's the hallmark of the of, a, of, of, of good use of the genre, when there are multiple meanings that can be gleaned. Although there's a fundamental meaning, and I think this is what we're driving at this week. We began to ask the question, who else could this blessed man be apart from us? You know what I'm saying? In verse 1. Who is this speaking about? Or fundamentally, you know what I'm saying, who is the blessed man that the text is speaking about? 
Because there's a primary and a secondary meaning, right? Metaphor. In the secondary sense, yes, it's speaking about sinners who've been converted. But in the primary sense, the blessed man now, who can that be? Well, it's not you and it sure ain't me. Not in the primary sense. Because look at what this blessed man does. That's the video. Look at what this blessed man does. He doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, right? Now, you're, you're like, but who does that? Like, like, God's people do that. We're not supposed to walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Um, but how many of you know we do <laughs> sometimes? We don't not do that all the time, you know what I'm saying? I wish I could say I do that all the time, but I don't. See, that's how the blessed man does mean us, but in a secondary sense, but in a primary sense, there's someone who does this perfectly. Someone who walks not ever in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand ever in no way in the way of sinners, nor ever sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, not like you and me will try and delight in the Lord. We try. Try and read our Bible. Try and meditate on the Word. Try and memorize Scripture. But there's someone who's done it on another level. Literally, day and night. Literally. I think someone said last week, I mean, he wrote it. You know what I'm saying? And we saw some clear examples of that last week. That is Jesus meditating you know what I'm saying, in the word of God, to the point where he was able to respond when he was given bad counsel, even from his good friend Peter, right? And then we saw later on, eventually Jesus tempted by the devil himself. You know what I'm saying? So who is the blessed man? Well, it's Jesus. Psalm 2 speaks about him too. But that's another poem for another day. Remember last week, Moses... The prophets and the Psalms, they what? They speak about him. That is Jesus, Luke chapter 24. Jesus, he's the one who has the name above every name. See, Christians like, humble them. Christians humble themselves. But no one humbles themselves like Jesus in Philippians 2. You know what I'm saying? He done it in a perfect and in a primary sense. Hence, that's why he is given a name that's above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Jesus, the name above every name. He also has different names. Remember from last week? What was his name? Adam. Adam number two. He was in the garden with Adam number one. At the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3. We read that last week. He was also in a much larger garden. <laughs> Actually a garden city in the book of Revelation. At the end of the Bible. Right? In Revelation chapter 22. Like bookends. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. That Fiona was singing about. The river of the water of life. Bright as crystal. Flowing from the throne of God. And of the lamb. Now just make a note of the lamb. See I've got a little asterisk next to the lamb. Verse 2. Through the middle of the street of the city. That's mad. How does that remind you of Genesis 2 and 3? Do you remember the tree? Do you remember where the tree was? In the, book, in, in the Garden of Eden. It was in the middle of the garden. Through the, through the middle of the street. Also on either side of the river. The tree of life. Another tree, tree of life. Wait a minute, when was the first time you heard about the tree of life? In, in, in Eden, in Genesis. You know what I'm saying? The tree of life of its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Like one of the things we always say quite often is, don't think that the Old and the New Testament are totally different and distinct, like they're not connected. <laughs> People are like, oh, boy. I like the God of the New Testament, you know, he's gracious and mercy and forgiving. But boy, see the God of the Old Testament? Ain't really feeling him. Like, there's two different gods, like it's two different books. It's one book. And can you see how this ties both of them together very nicely and helpfully? And it talks about, notice it talks about 
a city, but a garden city. So in Genesis, you have a, a quote-unquote small garden. We don't know the dimensions of the garden, but we have a garden with only two people in it, right? You could say it was a small city in that it's urban, in that it's got people in it, <laughs> but it's small. Whereas at the end of the book, and I'm saying, we, you, you, not only have you got a large space, you've got lots and lots of, I think it's Revelation 8, 7 or 8 says, so many people you can't even count. At the end, in contrast to the beginning, and it's a garden, but it's a garden city. As I was thinking about this, you know what came to mind randomly? Anybody live in Hertfordshire? Or anybody come from Hertfordshire? I was born in Bedfordshire. Anybody? No? Anybody heard of Welling Garden City? So interesting. Welling Garden City in Hertfordshire. It was, um, it was, it was the very first, no, sorry. It was, it was, it was the second behind the very first garden city created. Um, what was it? Was it, um, is it Hitchin? I think Hitchin or somewhere else in Hertfordshire, it might be Letchworth. Somewhere else in Hertfordshire was the first garden city. This was the second garden city. And if you look at that, it's, um, it's, that is the company symbol. That is the organization that determined to create these garden cities. They looked at London and they thought, oh, it's so busy, it's so smoky, you know what I'm saying? And you know what I'm saying? There's no greenery, it's a concrete jungle. So what we need is we need garden cities. And they created the first one, which I can't remember, Letchworth, I think. And then Welling Garden City was the second one. Don't you think that's interesting? Boy, it's coming up. Maybe some, I'm just getting old and you know, there's things. Maybe I'll start stamp collecting or something. I don't know. <laughs> but notice, can you see the river that's running? And it's on a hill. And on the top of the hill, you might be able to see it. What's on the top of the hill? Can you see it? There's a church. When I saw it, I started doing some, I started doing some, some, ex, some Google explore, exploring and digging. And I wasted way too much time trying to find it. Because I thought, I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to find out. The first person who, who determined to create a garden city done it on the basis of the fact that it was inspired by Revelation chapter 22. But I didn't find that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep looking. Because... That, to me, seems very indicative of the city in the book of Revelation. Amen? Is that true? At least, coincidentally, if not anything else. And what did Jesus say to his disciples um, in the Gospels when he said to them? He said, you know, he said, he said, you lot, you're like a lighthouse. You're like a city set on a what? On a hill. A lamp that cannot be hidden. And if, and if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that Jerusalem is actually on a hill. Zion. It's called Mount Zion. Why? Because it's on a mountain. You know what I mean? And um, one of the things that I did find interesting is this. The founder of the, mov the movement, his name is Ebenezer Howard. Right? So you can see this is quite a while ago, 1850 to 1928. He called the Garden City the peaceful path to real reform. He saw it as the physical setting for a radically different lifestyle involving a joyous union of town and country from which will spring notice a new hope, a new life, a new civilization. Interesting, right? Especially as we're looking at Revelation 22 where it literally is depicting that. New hope. A new life, a new civilization, where there ain't going to be no cancer. Where there ain't going to be, you know what I'm saying, um, brothers getting burnt out and tired. You know, pray for Pastor E. Busted, tired, exhausted. You know what I mean? Ain't going to be, like, someone said it last week, um, the Lord's going to wipe away every tear. No, actually, it was at LCM this week. Um, you, were, you, you, you weren't there, so you wouldn't remember that. But, um, yeah. Look, there's coming a time where the Lord's going to, there's going to be no more weeping, no more crying, you know what I'm saying? And um, we look forward to that time, don't we? We look forward with anticipation. 
But the, the crazy thing that I noticed as I thought about this was, can you see here man's attempt to create a utopia, as it were? And the only, we, I drew all of those um, parallels between what we just saw in Revelation 22. But there's one important thing missing. Did you spot it? The presence. That is the presence of he who is most important. And that's God. He's, he's not there. You know what I'm saying? In a sense. And well, in Garden City, I've never been there, but I suspect it's a really unique city, maybe quite beautiful, especially when you look at it from above, the way it's kind of created and the way it's been organized, you know what I'm saying? I think it's a bit like Florida. I think Florida is one of the, all the roads are straight. Everything goes left and right. There's no roundabouts or, and that, although there are in Welling Garden City. And I'm saying it might probably a great city, but it just reminded me of um, the Tower of Babel, where individuals tried to create a city, you know what I'm saying, a place that bore their name and it was going to be perfect, but it was far from perfect. God wasn't there. I mean, although he was, right, because remember he came down, <laughs> he came down to visit. Um, and he brought, in a sense, his presence. A city without the presence of God. We want to see Jesus up in the place. That's what we want to see. And as we said last week, like Santa on wax, who will bless us with his presence when we unravel his wraps. You know, in a transformation, like there's, you know, there's loads of, tran there's loads of translations of the Bible. One of, uh, one of the new ones is called a transformation Bible. It's actually my son hooked me up on this. He bought one when he went to California. And um, this Bible is really helpful because, not that all Bibles ain't helpful, it's, it's helpful because what they do is they try to point to Christ in every single chapter of every single book in the whole of the Bible. So you read every, every chapter you read, it will show you somehow how Christ is, and I'm saying, identified in that book somehow, somewhat. Really helpful. And in there, they got a quote on Psalm 1, and it says, he, speaking of Jesus, right, is that is, is, he is anticipated in the first word of this psalm because blessing, remember it says, blessed is the man. Blessing in Scripture references the redemptive presence of God. That presence was perfectly realized, notice, when Mary was called what? Blessed among women. Because Jesus, who's God with us, the presence of God, had finally been conceived in her. There's something about this word bless or blessing that communicates the presence of God. And it comes from, so Luke 1, it says, In, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth... And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her wombs, in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Can you see the presence of God, Jesus, God with us, about to be birthed into the world, the presence of God with the potential of bringing, bringing presents, bringing, bringing gifts, bringing blessing. Can you see that? Now, as I mentioned with Babel, the presence of God brings blessing, but the presence of God, God also brings the opposite sometimes, which is cursing. And we'll see a little bit about that later. Now, getting back to Psalm 1, especially verse 3 with reference to the tree. Bro, can you just turn, Emmanuel, could you just turn this up a little bit? I feel like I'm struggling. My voice ain't so good this morning, this afternoon even. Verse 3 and this, ref, thank you, this reference to the tree. We looked at the Garden of Eden in Genesis, and we looked at the Garden City in the book of Revelation, the new Jerusalem, right? Really, the church. And you could actually say that the two trees in both places 
are representative of two ways to live. Like we said that earlier. The tree of knowledge in Eden, in Genesis, if you like, that's choosing the devil. Right? That's what Adam and Eve done, right? They, they, they dropped the ball. And the tree of life in the New Jerusalem, in the, in, the, in the book of Revelation, if you like, is a picture of choosing Christ. Because that's the tree that gives life, right? And in a sense, Jesus is, is depicted by the tree of life or the tree that gives life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, Jesus is the vine producing, sorry, Jesus is the life producing vine. Isn't he in John 15? Jesus is like a tree of life in the sense that in him we have life and that life lasts forever. Jesus, we don't want to say is a tree because we don't see that specifically, but Jesus is like a tree of life even in the sense that those who believe in him have eternal life through him. So verse 3, he, see, I'm saying that Jesus, this, this psalm is talking about Jesus. Is it fair to say he is like a tree? <laughs> Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now that beautifully paints a picture about Jesus, doesn't it? And it says, verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now let's come back to the tree and the chaff in a moment. How else do we see Jesus metaphorically portrayed in this psalm? Okay, verse 5 and 6. Therefore, the wicked, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In verse 5 and 6, can you see this terrible picture of a courtroom that's being painted. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad that you concur. A terrible picture of a courtroom being painted. Now we've said that Jesus is the undeniable picture of perfection, right? He's the ultimate representation of righteousness, right? So, if we, in verse 5, are standing in a courtroom, who in that room would best represent Jesus? Well, it's definitely not the defendant in the dock. Right? Would that be true? Because the defendant in the dock is guilty. They've sinned. They've broken the law. They are a criminal. We, just, we said last week that Hebrews 4, Jesus is without sin. So that can't depict him. Possibly Jesus could be depicted as the prosecutor. Able to poignantly point out all the transgression of the individual in the dock. But then, do you remember the woman caught in the act of adultery? Did Jesus prosecute her? Do you remember the woman at the well? Did Jesus prosecute her? Jesus didn't prosecute either of them, although he could have, right? And he, how about the judge? Could Jesus be depicted as the judge in this courtroom setting? Second Timothy chapter four says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead? Well, he could be depicted as the judge, couldn't he? And he could also, could he also be depicted <clears throat> by the defense attorney? You know, the solicitor who, who pleads or who intercedes on behalf of the, the person in the dock who is guilty. Could Jesus be seen as the defense lawyer or the mediator? Hebrews chapter 4 says, Jesus is our high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And on that basis, he can intercede for us because he knows where we're at. He knows how we feel because he's been there. That is, he's been tempted, albeit without sin, right? 
So he, he's, he's like, he's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the solicitor that you can talk to to help you to bust case. You know what I'm saying? First Timothy chapter 2, again, reiterates the same thing. There is one mediator between God and men, and it's the man, Christ Jesus. I mean, wow. Is there anything in this psalm that Jesus doesn't identify with? You say, of course. The one thing, like we said, that Jesus cannot identify with is the wicked or the sinner or the chaff. Really? Well, he doesn't, Robert. Can't. He, he, like, he can't. He's the spotless son of God. But then again, remember Revelation 22. Let's see if you've done your homework. Do you remember the word that I asked you to remember? What was Jesus referred to in Revelation chapter 22 as? With the asterisk. Thank you. Who said that? Go to the top of the class. <laughs> the lamb. And notice, it's because Jesus is the lamb of God that means he identifies, it's crazy, with the wicked, with the sinner, with the chaff. John chapter 1, John the Baptist pointed at Jesus, didn't he? And he said, Jesus, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Sounds like Jesus can be identified with the wicked, with the sinner, with the chaff. Going back to the tree in verse 3 of Psalm 1. Verse 3, that is the chaff, right? <clears throat> Sorry, verse 3, the tree, is contrasted with verse 4, the chaff. So by virtue of the contrast, it's like if Jesus is typified as the tree, it stands to reason that he, he can't be the antithesis, but hey, which is antithesis is the opposite. He can't be the tree and the chaff, but... But remember, we said the chaff, through miraculous intervention could become a tree, remember? That, that was the hope for you and me, because no doubt we're the chaff, that's how we start off. But through miraculous intervention, the chaff could become a tree. Does that mean that the, the reverse is actually true in the sense that, does it mean that the tree could then be changed into chaff somewhat? Listen to the classic verses on this very issue in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, therefore, notice, if anyone is in Christ, what has happened? Radical transformation, you know. Imagine becoming a new creation. That's the chaff becoming a tree. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, boy, you know what? Sometimes I feel like a Christian, but there's other times I don't really feel like a Christian. And I'm saying, and I don't know, maybe I'm a chi. I'm a chaff tree. I don't know. Everyone's mixing um, pronouns nowadays, right? Although those are not pronouns, but you know what I'm saying? You ever get that feeling sometimes like on a Monday or on a Sunday or I don't know, maybe, on, maybe Sunday's the worst day because you come to church and you know what I'm saying? You hear a lot of preaching about righteousness and judgment and courtrooms, and you feel like, raw. You know what I mean? I, 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 the last thing I feel like is a tree. I mean, and I'm looking at my life, I don't really see much fruit. Anybody ever feel like that? See, if you just become a Christian like last week, you're like, what's he talking about? I remember when I first got saved, yo, listen, for the first like 12 months, I was cruising at 36,000 feet. <laughs> I'd be like, like people like would, would, would flop or sin or, and I look at them and I, I like, like what, what for you? Like, how? Like, how, how are you sinning, you know? I like, how? How, how you not, you're not reading your Bible? Huh? How? What? You're not at church. You, what, you don't go to a church. What, you, you, don't, you don't, you're not active in your church. You're not. And then a little time passed by. 
You know what I'm saying? And some of the temptations, that wasn't really an issue when you first get saved. Car honeymoon period, innit? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, when you just get married. And I remember we had a marriage conference, a marriage retreat one year. And um, a couple came along. And I think, was it the marriage retreat? It was the marriage retreat related to marriage enrichment that we do. And the series that we were going through, it was called, it was called Marriage. What did you expect? That's the title of the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like saying, bro, I got married and there's mad drama in my marriage. Like, and, and, and the question is, what? So, so what? You never knew? You never knew? <laughs> what? You never anticipated that you was going to get drunk? Wait a minute. Ain't you a sinner? Yeah. Well, you got married to a sinner? Yeah. Like one plus one makes two, isn't it? <laughs> Quick maths. <laughs> but this couple came along and they couldn't believe why we were talking about the challenges of marriage. And the pitfalls of marriage. Couldn't understand why we would. <laughs> honeymoon period. When you first become a Christian, you go through that little honeymoon period. You know what I'm saying? And then, then life just gets real. Like differently. And you know what I'm saying? What am I trying to say? I'm just trying to say. Be encouraged, even though, you know, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by what? How many of you know sight is a sense? All right, taste, touch, sight, smell, what's it in here? You know what I'm saying? Man, I only got 10 minutes to go. Wow. <laughs> I keep selling myself a dream. I keep saying, you know, you know what? It's going to be 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes. Stop selling myself that dream. You lot ain't buying it, innit? So, <laughs> um, and... And it's crazy because we walk by faith, not by the things that we see or the things that we hear or the things that we feel. If you walk by your feelings, you're finished. Let me just tell you that from now. You're finished. You're finished. <laughs> One more time, bro. <laughs> you, you, you better learn to walk by faith. You know what I'm saying? And if... You've put your trust in Christ. You know, one of the beautiful things about the gospel, the reason it's good news is, you know, often, um, I remember back in the day, my, my previous church experiences said, you better hold on to Jesus, you know. Car boy. If you don't hold on to Jesus, hmm, sorry for you. You know what I mean? As if the onus was on me now. I know that I need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. But also, the Bible says before that, it says, God is all the while working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Therefore, on that basis now, what he works in, you work it out. Now, who instigated it? God did. The Bible says, if he, if he began a good work in you, what's going to happen? He, there ain't nothing in there with regards to what you must do. The issue is, did he start the work in you? If you can say... Pastor Rob, I'm convinced the Lord started a work in me. Praise the Lord. You can say amen. You can shout hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Because the work that he's doing, if he's faithful to complete it, you see why the gospel is good news? Be encouraged. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, regardless of somehow you have bad days. Otherwise, then we're walking as if we're saved, not by grace, but by our works. And how many of you know that's a problem? But sometimes functionally, like someone said, you know, like if you're feeling really bad, like I don't want to go to church and you don't go to church, then you don't believe the gospel. If you feel like, you know what, my life's, my, I've, had a, I've had a bad week, can't face church, can't face no church people, what preaching, I want to hear, like preaching is the last thing I want to hear. You know what I'm saying? Because I've flopped this week. Then that begins to communicate that you don't really understand the gospel. It's because, it's, it's, it's because of those things, you, we need the gospel. You know what I mean? It's like, and again... We have to consider, do I believe I'm saved by my works or I'm saved by grace through faith? You know what I mean? 
For by grace are you saved through faith, Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast or woman. So, can you see how the chaff becomes a tree in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5? Believe that. And I mean, the oldest passed away. Behold, the new has come. You wouldn't be struggling anyway. You wouldn't be going through, wow. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like, as a Christian, sometimes you're in that place where you're too sinful for church, like I just explained, and you're too holy for the nightclub. <laughs> Neither place do you feel comfortable. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I'm saying, something's going on in your heart and in your life, isn't it? Something's going on. I'm like, hey, just go with the flow in it. Just say, boom. You know what I'm saying? Evidently, God's done a work in my heart. Lord, would you continue that? Well, no, no, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is next week. So, therefore, I'm going to read it again, you know, because this is not burdensome, like Paul says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. And progressively, that will become apparent. It takes time to bear fruit. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That means we can go further beyond the point of man. I don't feel like I'm saved, but I've got to believe it. I've got to believe that God has done a work in my heart. The Lord's like, of course. Even to the point where stop sitting there thinking, am I saved or am I not saved? And go out and tell people how to get saved. You know what I'm saying? Start communicating to others the grace of God and the goodness of God and the forgiveness of God that comes apart from anyone's good works. We're all sinners. We deserve judgment. We should be in the courtroom, in the dock. We need to tell people, boy, Jesus is happy. Jesus is willing to be your brief. He's willing to be your solicitor. He's willing to be the one that defends you, not on the basis of anything you've done. If it was on that basis, you wouldn't be standing in the dock. But he is going to defend you on the basis of his good works. To the point where now, when you get set free and you come out of the courtroom and you know you deserve judgment, you know you should have gone to prison. No, you should, have, you should have gone to the electric chair. You should have been executed. Hey, can I get a witness? I know that's true about me. God says, now nah, I want you to go and tell others. I want you to become an agent of reconciliation. Go tell them what I've done for you. That's what that verse is saying. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us, those who have not had our trespasses held against us, to share that message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. You don't feel like it. You are an ambassador for Christ. God making his appeal through us, through me, through you. Therefore, to those who haven't heard, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Because of what Jesus has done. Verse, now, verse 21. For, for our sake, he, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Verse 1 talked about how the chaff becomes a tree. Now, amazingly, can you see how the tree becomes chaff for you and for me? For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can you see the divine exchange? The big question over the previous few weeks has been, how does a sinner become righteous? How does a chaff become a tree? The big question for last week and particularly this week was, how does a righteous man become sin? Here it is, Psalm 1. Jesus, the tree that becomes like chaff in order that the chaff might become a tree. Let me ask you a question as we're wrapping up now. Is it spooky if I just ask you to close your eyes? It's not something that we kind of do regularly around here, but if I just ask you to close your eyes and ask yourself, <clears throat> are you building a life 
without God? Are you trying to create your own garden city without God? But the truth is you can't keep him out because the earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it is a futile attempt. The Bible says we can't go anywhere from his presence. The writer of this, these very psalms says, if I make my bed in hell, God, you're there. Are we trying to build a life without God? See, and the problem with that is if we do, because God gives us the opportunity to, if we choose to, if we do, then God is going to invade that space at some point. Because it belongs to him in the first place. And when he invades that space, it's judgment time. And he's coming in as a judge. Why don't you accept him now as the savior, as the lamb of God who will take away your sins? And then on that day, you don't have to fear going into the courtroom because Jesus will stand up on your behalf. As we heard in the song earlier, in his blood-stained garments. Imagine the judge... Literally, the judge took off his garments, his, ro- his royal robes. And he, and he was whipped and beaten. And we've been talking about the tree. The Lamb of God actually was placed. That we're talking about the fact that he is the tree. He's the tree of life. Imagine the Lamb of God was taken and he was nailed to a tree. For you and for me. See, at the judgment, we're all going to have that challenge. Are we going to be able to stand? The Bible says, if God marks our transgressions, who will be able to stand? Yet God, in the same instance, has provided us with the Lamb, Jesus. Father, thank you um, for the gospel. Good news for us sinners. There is a saying that's sure and true and it's worthy of universal acceptation. And it's this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We're not getting what our actions deserve. We're getting mercy and grace instead of judgment. And all because of the Lord Jesus and what he did in making that determined decision. He was a tree. He is a tree. And he chose for 33 years to walk this earth in order that eventually he might take the curse so that we could get the blessing. Wow. Thank you, Father, for these these wonderful truths in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.